Stephanie Coxon. And I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And we are two women influencing real life. So let's twirl. Health tips and information. We hear so much noise. Many times it contradicts itself. Do this, don't do that. Do the opposite. How can we discern the truth? Is there more to it? Could there actually be misinformation, intentional or otherwise? We'll talk to Mike Vera of Red Pill Health and Wellness to learn more. I'm Kathy Anderson Martin. And I am Stephanie Coxon. And we are two women inspiring real life. So let's twirl. So we're welcoming Mike Vera here with us today. And just a little background on Mike. He isn't your average health coach. He is a board certified health coach with a master's in exercise science and health promotion. But he's also the force behind Red Pill Health and Wellness and the host of Healthy and Awake podcast. And he has a grounding in cognitive psychology and excels in uncovering the factors that influence our health. His mission is to not only safeguard against the onslaught of health misinformation, but to arm individuals with the knowledge to thrive in the battleground of influence, fostering a healthier, more conscious world. That actually makes me a little tired just reading all those things he's doing. I'm a little tired. You know, I, I'm intrigued. There was a, uh, this was years ago, probably 10 years ago or so, Cheryl Atkinson. Have you ever heard of her? No. She talks about something called astroturfing. And it, she did a, a TED talk on it. And it was, it was very eye-opening for me because she showed how they get a message out, whether it's true or not, how it's done. And a lot of times it's not true. And so I'm fascinated by the background and, and how Mike got to this point um, of understanding this and what he's doing, because honestly, we need a lot more mics in the world because people don't necessarily know that they're being bamboozled on a daily basis, um, you know, all over the place, really all over the place. And there's just, right. there's so much misinformation. It's hard to navigate that. And so we need someone to kind of steer the ship. So welcome, welcome, Mike. We are like super excited to have you. We've been talking about you for a couple of weeks now. Just, you know, can't wait to hear what you have to say and to educate us on this stuff. Well, thanks so much. It's I'm glad to be here. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So, so to tell us a little bit, like how, how did you kind of get into that? You're, you're a health coach, but how did you get into that span of, of under, uh, of trying to, kind of navigate people out of the the bamboozlement uh, within this world, right? Because to even discern what's what's good, bad, yeah. wrong, wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big, big area. Yeah. I think probably the most important place to start is with a term called fifth generation warfare. And this term comes from General Michael Flynn, uh, who served with President Trump. And uh, you know, most people, when they think of warfare, it's, you know, two groups of people shooting guns at each other. We have tanks and stuff like that. But warfare has really evolved, especially in the landscape of information warfare. Things are really not as they seem. And that's what fifth generation warfare is really all about, that our mind is really under attack, which I know sounds extreme. But even if you don't accept that from the United States government, we know that other governments do this. And of course, the United States government does have a role in trying to shape public perception. Uh, so really, deception is at the heart of fifth generation warfare. And that's why skepticism is so important. Having a scrutinizing eye. Skepticism is healthy. It can prevent us from making bad decisions. So it does make things 
complicated, fifth generation warfare. But I think once you understand that and, and we start from there, it's really it can really help us orient ourselves in the uh, chaotic landscape that we're in. You know, you say that, and one of the things that comes to mind is um, Hitler's educating of the children, right? Like you educate the children, it comes up. Or when, if you read the Fabian Society and how they introduced socialism, it was through education, right? Because you are, you're modeling the mind where you want it to go. And it just seems like it could be that, but on a larger scale at this point, because we have, you know, we now have immediate access 24-7 to multiple news outlets, to multiple television stations, to, you know, you name it. And they're all giving us a different message. Yeah. And that's so important to bring up. Education plays a big role in this because as far as I'm concerned, education should really help people critical think, critically think. And my experience, as well as the experience of many other Americans, is that the American education system really comes from a place of authority. I'm the teacher. You have to trust what I say. You have to trust what the textbooks say. And you have to learn to regurgitate this information. And that, that's not really education, or at least it doesn't uh, foster critical thinking. And so critical thinking is, is much more complex than reading a book, because you yeah. could read a book and in a sense, you might just be indoctrinating yourself, right? You, you have to challenge what you're reading, especially, especially if you are inclined to believe it, because then you're just reading something and engaging in confirmation bias. The critical thinking is being skeptical, saying, hey, maybe this isn't true, trying to push back on it a little bit, asking questions, contending with the ideas, looking for, you know, evidence of the opposite. And that is a lot of work. And I know a lot of people just like to be comfortable. They want to accept the information in front of them. And that's really the quickest way to making mistakes or, or receiving false information. Critical thinking is so essential to really being able to figure out what is the truth. And that's what has left. That's what's, yes. you know, that's what's left our education system. So if you're part of that, trust, you, trust the science. Yes. Yeah. Trust the, yeah. Science Don't think a, for yourself. No, science is about questioning. Yes. That's why we have scientific breakthroughs because people question what was the established norms and said, maybe it's not that. That's but right. That's on another tangent. So, you know, the health, um, field. I think while you were talking this, so many things I think, and, and this is new. I, I worked with a health coach a couple of years ago, started to do so for the first time in my life, really changed my lifestyle and eating habits and so forth, lost weight, kept it off, which I never did. So this is something very important to me, but I'm also one of those kind of newbies to it to some degree. And Stephanie, by the way, owns a natural health practice. Yes. So I um, am now her patient, which, you know, I would have totally made fun of all of her stuff five years ago. She's now a straight on hippie. Not yet. She's nice. there. She's I there. even have a case of oils and now I have special salt. <laughs> I don't even know. I have pink salt in this thing and I don't know. And I look at it and say, how did that happen? But, um, you know, so that's, so I come from it. I, you know, I don't know how to do, I read this. I'm like, oh, I should have more protein. Oh, I shouldn't have that much protein. Oh, I should have more of that. You know, how, where do you even start, Mike? How do you even start with this? Yeah. Great question. Honestly, it's really tough. I think it really comes down to the individual because the science is so messy. There's a, a, a very prominent figure in the health and wellness space. His name is Dr. Lane Norton. Uh, he's a PhD. And he really goes over the nutritional science and the intricacies and talks about seed oils and sugar and all these different things. And to be honest, the, the science is always changing. It can be very tough to, to make solid conclusions. And I know 
you look on the internet today, you see people making very strong statements about vegan, plant-based, that's the way to go. And then you'll have someone in the total opposite camp saying, uh-uh, no, it's carnivore, that's the right way. But really, if you look at both camps, a lot of them seem to be doing perfectly fine. The, the human body is very adaptable. People thrive on carnivore. People thrive on the vegan diet. But if, if you look at the science in a certain way, it'll tell you vegan diet is the worst thing in the world. Carnivore diet doesn't have enough science to justify doing this. And, and yet people are thriving. So yes, the science is important. I'm not saying this to dismiss the science, but a lot of us don't have the time to go over all the science. A lot of us don't even know how to really parse through the intricacies within the scientific literature. So on some level, we do need to have some trust and authority. You know, I, I mentioned earlier skepticism. You don't wanna be so skeptical that you're a paranoid maniac and you don't trust anyone at all. So you, you do have to uh, try to find some people that you trust and really just do the best you can. Figure out what does work for you. If a carnivore diet works, great. If a vegan diet works, great. You know, just listen to your body and, and just try to do your best. And I realize that might be an unsatisfactory answer, uh, but that's really been my experience as well as the experience of many of the people that I've worked with. Well, and I want to say this. So I do have a PhD and probably the most disheartening thing that happened during that but, process. Oh, we're not holding that against her. Listeners, <laughs> but please go on. But the most disheartening thing that happened was under, like going through research papers and seeing how many actually took other people's research out of context or how numbers were manipulated and that you had to rerun the numbers yourself to really know what the outcomes were. Um, or the amount of times that, you know, confounding issues were not accounted for. I, you know, I am extremely skeptical of our research, extremely, because of that experience. And I agree. I don't think the average person has the time and, and some don't have the capacity to really go through that. I mean, if I want to rerun the numbers, I have to call a scientist friend at this point. Like, I'm like, can you put this into your program? Because I, I you can't hand do that. I'm not going to pay for that program. But most people don't have that capability. You know, we really cannot break it down appropriately like we should. And so when I see a lot of this come out, I'm just like, screw it all. It's all bad. You know, just go back to the 1800s when we're getting up with the sun, going down with the going down with, you know, laying down with the sun and all that kind of stuff. Just just leave it simple. Like, that's where I feel like I'm I'm at in life. I do. Yeah, this might sound kind of bad, but it's important to start from a place of distrust especially with the science. I mean, you look at yes. trans fats. Uh, the FDA has recently reversed their decades-long stance on trans fats. It was previously okay. And now all of a sudden, even though people for a long time have been saying stay away from trans fats, now the FDA says, oh, maybe we shouldn't be having as much trans fats. Can and I ask this a question? Um, because everyone's different levels of listener. What exactly is a trans fat? Uh, well, you know, it, it's typically considered the bad fat. It's not very good for your health. Uh, I'm not as, uh, you know, brushed up on my nutritional science. I really okay. focus on the habits, the narratives, the propaganda. Gotcha. Um, but I, I say that as an example to highlight narratives because, right. the, you know, the narrative around trans fats has been, uh, according to the FDA, hey, don't really worry about it 
too much. And now they've recently reversed that. And, you know, one thing I do focus on a lot more, I, I don't really talk about the food science too much, is the pharmaceutical science, because there are so many examples of thalidomide, for example, uh, doctors, the science, uh, all these authoritative figures said that thalidomide is, is perfectly okay for pregnant women to take. And uh, anyone who knows the history of thalidomide knows that it led to all kinds of horrible birth defects that we see even still today, people with missing limbs, that uh, yeah. a lot of that comes from thalidomide. Same thing with That's like SS the 1950s. 50s, yeah, 50s, 60s. Right. Yeah. Right. So there are countless examples of pharmaceutical mishaps, corruption, financial conflicts of interest. Uh, things that definitely warrant a healthy sense of skepticism towards the science, whether we're talking about food or pharmaceuticals or, or anything like that. Can I give a, an example of something that just happened to me is I was I had I needed an x-ray for my son. He broke his hand. We went in and they were not going to use anything to protect him from the radiation. And they said it is no longer needed, you know, according to whatever association. And I said, well, what's the research behind that? She, they said, oh, I'm sure the research is, is done. That's why they're recommending this. So I dug into it a little bit. And it turns out because they can't always get the correct image, not, not every time, just sometimes can't get the correct image, that they'd rather radiate the person than protect them and have to redo it if, if they are... Time is money. Yeah, I mean, money. but that's what it is. So we're basically saying, and the American Dental Association is all in, everyone is all in. They're going to start taking away the lead blankets and the thyroid guards as you get x-rays. And that is just so dangerous because we know that when they were x-raying, you know, pregnant women, there, there were some major issues that happened with the birth of those children. So this is, you know, yeah. That's and funny, at. funny enough, you know, those technicians, when they're gearing you up for your x-ray, what do they do? They run into the next room and they hide from the radiation they're leaving yep. you to, to face. Yeah. And so it does show that there is uh, even the people administering uh, x-rays and things like that. Uh, they know, right. They're going to hide from that radiation, but it's OK yep. for you to have. Right. And I told the lady, I said this, you know, I said she said this may not be a choice next time. That was her rebuttal to me. And I said, well. I don't have to come here next time either. You know, you have to push back and you have to think and you have to dig in. And I, I, that's just what's happening right now. People may not be aware, but it's coming to every hospital and dental office near you. And that's where I think, Mike, you mentioned start from, to some degree, a level of questioning and mistrust and say, what what's the end game or, you know, what why is this? Definitely. Trust is something that should be earned, uh, at, at least that's how I see it. And again, I, I want to reemphasize, I, I talk a lot about skepticism and and start from a place of distrust, uh, but there is a, a healthy sense of skepticism that can be had. And especially when you think about health decisions that you're making, because with marketers, with propaganda, with influence from every angle, we can easily be steered in the wrong direction. And, and skepticism and critical thinking is really a big answer to that. Now, I have I have find it hard to believe that anyone would try to influence me one way or another, especially the government or pharmaceutical companies. I mean, I feel that they're upright and standing citizens that would have no no ulterior motive. I'm going to push her off the stool, Mike. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm sarcastic. <laughs> but um, I love it. Yes. When um, you know, what are some examples of those kinds of things and how do they work? You know, so I'm sitting there and watching my TV or I'm social media and the little ads come on or the grocery store. Can, share some like real practical things that people can be looking at or just to start saying, oh, what about that? 
Yeah, let me give a very relatable example uh, of influence and persuasion. So we've all gone into Target and said, I'm only going to buy two things. That's all I want. And then what happens by the time we leave the store? We have 10 things or more. Our cart is full with stuff. That's not an accident. Our decision-making was influenced. There are corporate executives in suits sitting around trying to figure out what are your emotions when you walk in the store and how can we play with those? How can we position our products in the perfect way to make it more likely that you'll buy it? How can we color the packaging and do the music and and really arrange the store? None of that is accidental and they spend millions of dollars trying to figure out exactly how to pull your strings and push your buttons. Uh, so that's something I think everybody can relate to. But influence isn't always a bad thing, of course. Uh, it, if we only allow the, the so-called bad guys to engage in these sorts of things, then yeah, it is very bad. But I think in order for there to be more of a balance, uh, us regular folks need to be aware of these things, not only so we can defend ourselves, but so that we can be aware of the influence that we're having on other people. But I do want to offer another example of, of maybe a more positive example of influence. And that is when you look at health institutions, they engage in propaganda. Now, I'm no fan of the World Health Organization, but to be fair, they do engage in some positive propaganda. So they try to spread public awareness about breast cancer, for instance. I mean, most people would agree that being aware of that and how to prevent it and, and those sorts of things would be positive. Now, it's a double-edged sword for the World Health Organization because they, in my opinion, engage in some not-so-good propaganda as well. But that's why the, the scrutinizing is important because if somebody just trusts, oh, this is the World Health Organization, their authority, I trust whatever they say, that can lead to some pretty bad decisions when you start to consider their possible financial conflicts of interest and and et cetera. You know, in, in, in terms of that, I think... When in education during our formative years, we're really taught what authority is. And so we get nervous to go tell our doctor something different than what they are telling us. And I think that we have to get over that and recognize this is another human being who makes mistakes every single day, like the rest of us does, and that you have to advocate for yourself and not think of them as authority figures. They're actually your, 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 you're their customer. You, yes. You employ them. You, you employ them. And you can, you can make your own decisions, you know, take their advice into account, but it's also perfectly okay to go seek other advice or to look into what they're saying and not hopping on board right away. But we just seem to be taught that if you have a white coat on or something like that, then you're the ultimate authority. And I think us as Americans have got to stop that. It's a uh, built-in mechanism. So part of it is the in-group, out-group bias, part of it's the authority bias. There's really a lot to it, but our brain works by taking shortcuts. It, it likes to be hyper-efficient, the brain. And so in order to do that, it has to, uh, like I said, take some shortcuts. One of them is the authority bias. Like you mentioned, the white coat. If we see someone with a white coat and a stethoscope around their neck, we automatically go, oh, they're a doctor. I, I can respect them a little more. I can take their advice a little more seriously. You know, but what if that guy in the white coat with the stethoscope just took it off and said, hey, I, I was lying. I'm not actually a doctor. It's Halloween, you know, something like that. It, it's a shortcut. It might not actually be a doctor. It might not actually be someone worth trusting. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I talked to Dr. Peter McCullough recently, 
And he brought this up, how doctors, especially with the past few years, with the medical event that's happened in the past few years. I love how you phrase that, the medical event. And just as a uh, note, Dr. Peter McCullough's show is on after this show at two o'clock. So and, and stay and tuned I, to talk, to listen to him. And I want to just say the medical event, we call the pandemic. But yep. continue. Pandemic, that's what we call <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I forgot we can speak more freely here. <laughs> oh, yes, we, we've, we've long, we're, we're probably going to end up in FEMA education camp yeah. at some point. We just hope they have a pool. <laughs> and we, we stopped the pandemic one day in. <laughs> we, were, yeah. Yeah, we quit the pandemic. So please continue. <laughs> yeah, I love it. One thing that he's talked about in the past is this idea of mass formation psychosis. And he's gotten some pushback for that. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best term, but there is something there that's undeniable. And that's this idea of de-individuation, which is a psychological phenomenon where you kind of separate from your individual consciousness or identity. And that can be manufactured in, in a lot of ways. So basically the shortest way to say it is like an echo chamber, which doctors can very much be in an echo chamber. They have their medical journals that they trust to the highest degree, and they all wear their white coats, and they all meet and go to conferences. They all talk to each other. It's, it's like a club. And that can really lead to some of those mental shortcuts. And Dr. Peter McCullough said this himself, uh, that a lot of the doctors really are in that state where they're not thinking about things as fully as maybe they should be. And don't get me wrong, I, I talk to a lot of doctors every single day. Doctors are great. I think they have the best intentions, most of them. Uh, I, I think just like anybody else, I, I think they can get fooled. Doctors can get fooled just like anybody else. And I wish I could say they're starting to wake up to that, but I, I talk to a lot of them and, and some of them are not. And there's a lot to unpack there, uh, again, which Dr. Peter McCullough goes into. But, but, there, a, but there's also a lot that are. I right. mean, we're yes. seeing a lot. You know, we had one friend who broke out of a hospital system, set up his own private practice surgical center. Yes. I mean, the, these and, good and doctors. that came from what he saw happening during the medical event that didn't allow him to. <laughs> he was not able to treat patients for something completely different than COVID. So he lost patients because his hospital system didn't allow that. And by so losing patients, that means they died. They died. I mean, these lost yeah. Fear. I mean, yeah. Fears, it was he, He's a special specialty uh, practice, and he just said, "I'm not going to let that happen again." So I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing. And he's now my specialist in his care. Yeah, so, and and we have seen that with quite a few doctors. But you're right. There's also still doctors that are not awake. I've got a couple in my family that are just not awake to what's going on. And we have to be very careful what we discuss because we just don't see eye to eye on almost anything within medicine. Yeah. And I, I think that's why health coaching is so important because I started by saying fifth generation warfare. And I think health coaches are really the foot soldiers there. And we go out and, and we work with individuals and, the, you know, the doctors, they, a lot of them do a good job, but we're the ones that actually talk to the people and, and help them think things through. I like to call it collaborative critical thinking. Yeah. You know, I want to go back when, you know, we have to take a break, but let's, when we get back, let's talk about that individualism, because I, I think it's really important when it comes to healthcare. Oh, absolutely. I have lots to say about that. Okay. <laughs> Great. 
America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7. And now you can also hear them on the podcast on those same apps. All of our shows go to podcasts typically a day or two after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for us. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health, to reducing the appearance of wrinkles, and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA. We power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Now, George Washington once encouraged us to animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. That's exactly what we do, as you'll see when you visit AmericaOutloud.news. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. into that whole individual concept because I think that's probably one of the most important things that is changing in medicine for the doctors who are awake. Can I just say something before you do that, before we go to Mike's opinion? No. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I was one of those people who, if the doctor said, take this shot, take this 
I'm going to give you this prescription. I did it. I was also 50 or 60 pounds overweight and popped in acid like candy. <laughs> and I ate candy like candy. And, um, you know, and always was taking ibuprofen and connected with a health coach who you and I both know, Mike, and has helped me make a lot of like changes in an individual, like looking at what I did, which was different advice than she gave to someone else. Uh, but that started my thing of kind of changing very much how I think to a lot of things. And um, so, you know, as Stephanie mentioned the individual, but I was that person, there may be not a number of people listening who were me like, hey, they prescribed it and it makes me feel better. So why not just take the pill? Um, you know, they know what's better. And then why not take the pill to deal with the side effects from the pill I'm taking and the next pill to do, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So the individual thing, it was huge for me. Of course, losing 50 pounds was kind of huge for me too. And But um, so share more about that, Stephanie. So I just want to give my little personal. Now, yeah. is that okay that I said that? Yes. All right, whatever. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about health coaching is that I'm not there to push an agenda or make assumptions about what is best for you. There are a lot of people who maybe need certain pharmaceuticals. There are a lot of people who maybe it really helps them. They have a certain condition or, or something like that. Uh, so that I think is the importance of collaborative critical thinking, because whether we're talking about food, exercise or pharmaceuticals, most people have some idea of what they want to do for themselves. They know they should be eating less junk food. They know they should be moving around a little more. They know they should maybe not be popping some pills every day. And so it's really through the process of critical thinking that we can figure out what is the best approach to try to get to where you're trying to get to. And a lot of people maybe don't take the time to sit down and, and think it through, or maybe they just don't know how because the landscape is so messy, chaotic, and confusing. So a health coach can really, a, a board certified health coach can really help and, and sit with you. And that's why I call it collaborative critical thinking, because I'm not here to, to push an agenda. I think that also the definition of health coach, I think that there are people that are kind of multi-level marketing people, I think, that aren't really yes. health coach. That's a little different than what you've done. The person that I work with, who's a board certified health coach, um, correct? I mean, not every health coach is a health coach. Such an important distinction, uh, especially on the topic of MLMs, because a lot of them are uh, salesmen in, in disguise. That, hey, I'm a health coach. And then you join on and let me tell you about the best supplements that you need. It's going to change your life. And you have to buy them every month on our monthly subscription service. And, and there's definitely a lot of that. Uh, board certified health coaching is a specific credential where you have to go through a lot of training and practice. You have to work with, uh, certain people and, and, uh, take a, a, a monitored exam. It's like four hours long. It's ridiculous. Uh, but it is a, a great credential. It's a great community and it, it really is. I want to say that again, it's a great community because we all do stick together. We all try to support each other. If there's somebody who comes to me and, and, and maybe I can't help them in the best way, or maybe I know there's another health coach that might be better for them. We do a really good job of referring out to each other. It's a cool community to be in. And, um, you know, you said, and you started Stephanie about individualized. Yeah. I know when I went through this, um, you know, I have certain friends and I eat nothing really, there's no food that bothers me or triggers me. I don't have any underlying issues. So I'll have friends that are like, you can't eat that. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't eat the eggs. And um, that's my, and, and that's, you know, they're so, they're so hard and fast. Everyone's got to be the same. And that just doesn't work like that. Every body and every person is different and has underlying conditions, correct? That whether we eat or things that we do affect, and that's part of that healthy what kind of analysis of our, 
we have to know ourselves and how we feel and want to feel even before we look at the media. Is that right? Does that sound right? Yeah. From my opinion, and Mike, you might have a different opinion on this, but I, some things I think are, are just not known, meaning that someone, for example, the way they process bread actually creates a chemical that is used to induce diabetes in mice, right? So that person that's just going out there to eat bread may not realize they're getting that reaction by the processing of the bread. Okay. So oh, be quiet. Okay. All right. Be quiet. But if you were to go get, you know, an organic sprouted sourdough, that's long fermented sourdough bread, you know, that's very healthy for you in a lot of ways. If you're doing it correctly, the problem is most of our food is not actually made correctly. It's quick to market. So we lose all the nutritive values that come along with that. So in a way you're right, but in a lot of ways you're wrong. And I just want to say oh, that a lot of ways. She just shushed me. Listeners, <laughs> <She just, laughs> you did not see her okay, hand. Now let's see, where, let's see where Mike falls. Go, go ahead, ahead Mike. Mike. Well, I guess since I can speak freely on the show, which I appreciate, I would go as far as saying a lot of the food in the United States is poisoned. We know with Mons yeah, Monsanto is something we used to talk about. People seem to have forgotten about that. You go to Europe. I, I, I spent almost a year in Rome and I ate all the pasta that I wanted to and I didn't experience any of the side effects that I experience here in the States. And that is something you hear from a lot of people who travel to yeah. Europe where they, they can eat whatever they want without feeling sick the same way they do here. Not Ireland. I had that experience. Really? Yeah. And if anybody is listening in Ireland, I apologize for um, Stephanie calling out your country. It's a lovely country. Please continue, Mike. I always have to do the disclaimers for anything she says. So go ahead. Well, it, it, so yes, the food has more poison here in the United States. Specifically, uh, glyphosate is one of the main ones, but they use all kinds of other herbicides and pesticides. Atrazine is another one that's in the water. That's a whole rabbit hole to go down. But the studies, uh, you know, even though I express distrust towards the studies, uh, that's not complete distrust. There's a lot of value in, in certain studies. And one thing is very clear is that eating organic, as you mentioned, does contribute to a less degree of pesticide exposure. So organic, or, or even if you're able to, growing your own food just trying to buy locally even. Get to know your farmer's market. And that is classic health coach advice. Yeah. See? Who yeah. is right? I, Go well, ahead. We, who is right? I, no, this, this is not about right it or is. wrong. It We're is. all right in America. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, we had someone on a few weeks ago. The main topic was that glyphosate. Yeah. And I have to say, she um, she was compelling. Yeah, it was compelling. And I've walked around telling people about things she said since that time. So I've made some minor changes, but I'm not all in because I'm like, oh, my word. My goal is to get get Kathy all in. It's just one. It's one show at a time. We're going to eventually get to the point where she's worse than I am. <laughs> nice. Goal. Do you notice well, how she phrased that worse than I am? See, that's not a way <laughs> to say that. I love it. Well, there is a new one, actually. I don't know if you've heard of Appeal. Have you heard of this? Oh, yes. oh yeah. I've actually been looking for those stickers because our yeah. my whole world has changed of my people that I'm most with in the past four or five years, quite honestly. And um, just through things I've seen through the medical event and disinformation in the medical event uh, of the past four years. But, and, uh, some people but may appeal. not. Yeah, some people number, may not yeah, know that. But Talk appeal's to us about been one of our group has talked about a lot. Yes. Go ahead, share what that is. 
So I actually, to be honest, I don't know much about exactly the chemical or the effects that it might have. But what I do know, again, because I focus on the narratives and the propaganda, is that there hasn't been a lot of public discussion about what it is or why it's being put in our food. If anything, it seems like they're trying to hide the fact that they're putting it in our food. Right. I've seen videos of uh, on the packaging. It'll say this has appeal, but then they'll cover it up with a sticker so that you can't even see. And that's awfully suspicious. And even further, they're putting it in organic food. And a lot of us make the effort to buy the organic food. It's more expensive so we can get away from these chemicals. And yet they're putting it in there anyway. And further, I don't trust me personally. I don't trust anything that comes from Bill Gates. I know a lot of people love Bill Gates. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But I don't trust anything that comes from Bill Gates uh, for various reasons. And he has been one of the biggest pushers of this appeal. I think he's one of the biggest funders of it. So they're at the very least... There is a lot of reason to be suspicious. Again, skepticism. I don't think we should invite mysterious chemicals on our food uh, you know, without question, and we should just be eating these things. I think we should be skeptical first. And in the U.S., I, I think it's probably important to note that a lot of the chemicals that are in, are in use, whether in our household products or what, are actually tested after market, meaning that there's a reaction that happens, and then we test Thing. So a lot of our chemicals are actually completely untested for safety. And I don't think that most people realize that. And so anytime, you know, it's like talc powder. I, for a year, I was, I knew in the nineties, talc powder was carcinogenic. It just now came out, what, a year ago or something like that to be, to be careful. And, you know, it, it's interesting um, how much of our stuff is just in that, in that category of, we don't actually know what it does. We'll figure it out, figure it out after the fact. So, you know, here's, oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead, Mike. No, I have a question with that, but go ahead. Comment well, on that. Please. One thing that comes to mind is Ozempic. The the populace, the, the population Thank of people you. taking Ozempic. Yes. We're the guinea pigs. So I, and I don't think there's been enough research done, long-term good quality research to show what can happen if you take Ozempic long-term. What well, happens if you stop taking Ozempic? It, there's, there's so many unanswered questions. Well, let me just say there, it's called muscle atrophy. The basically, mm -hmm. you are losing muscle. When that happens, once you go off of that, you're a big ball of fat, and it is very difficult to get your muscle back. And that's already something that happens as you age. And so you are putting people in a position to where that you are creating a weak individual who cannot lose weight and stay healthy down the road. That's what that does. Sorry. Uh, I, that, that, <laughs> no, I'm glad we talked about that because that is just... Um, a huge thing right now. It kind of makes me irritated because I lost my weight by like a half a pound a week by my health coach said nutrient dense food and moving more, you know, yes. but now people are taking this, but I hear people taking it. They're nauseous all the time. Mm -hmm. Their hair falls out. Yes. And I look at things and I did thought of this with COVID. If it's something that defies how we were created, like lockdowns and being away from each other, we were created for community. I believe that whole part ever all since the beginning of time, people live in groups and tribes and whatever. So if we're doing something that makes us nauseous or um, we can't stand to eat or what, you know, it, it's something not right. I That's agree. Not right. And I mean, do you think, that, I mean, I think this is really kind of a scary, scary thing. And, and these weight loss companies like Weight Watchers and these groups are now pushing it too. Like, hey, take the shot, take the pill. And, and health coaches too. There are health coaches who are partnering up with so-called clinicians that just really the, their whole practice I've, I've met a few of these people personally they open up clinics to just give people ozempic and i'm 
personally horrified by something like that for a lot of reasons because, well, first, it's a low-hanging fruit dangled in front of vulnerable people. These are people who want to lose weight. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they've experienced challenges. And so here's the perfect example to all or the perfect answer to all your problems is just take this pill. It's such an American attitude. Uh, but even further, it fails to take into account the sequence of physiological events. I won't get in, into the nitty gritty science of Ozempic, but essentially it's a chemical that kind of tricks the body into thinking it's full already. And a lot of scientific people would see that and, and it's tempting to go, wow, okay, look at the science. The science is so clear. I see a lot of weight loss experts say the science is so clear. But again, this the sequence of physiological events, it, it doesn't make sense to me that you can just do one thing to the body in isolation where you can just insert this chemical that makes us feel full. When if you think of the body, we already have mechanisms that help us feel full. And those mechanisms are triggered by a sequence of physiological events. Maybe it's the food that we ate. Maybe it's the way our circadian rhythm is going because we got sun exposure and all these intricate physiological processes. It's it's inherently unnatural to introduce this foreign synthetic chemical and just expect a totally natural response. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, and I think it's probably important to for people to know because some people say, "Well, I'm getting a compounded form or something like that." They think it's better, but it's it's really not. So when you hear like semi-glutide and stuff like that, you're you're getting the same thing. It's just being compounded at a local pharmacy rather than the from a drug company, well, and it's having the same effect. I have a loaded question with all this, so okay. and you can answer or not. Um, so you know, we have the Bill Gates. I don't trust him either. Um, you know, and all these large organizations telling us this and that, the Ozempic, you know, um, why, why do you think this is happening? Like the appeal, introducing stuff that may or may not harm us, even our current medical event shots, you know, really not even, I mean, testing it or whatever. Why, what, what do you think is behind all this? Cause I, again, I'm the healthy distrust when it's one thing, another thing, another thing, what what's the point? And I have my opinion, but what's your opinion? If you choose not to comment, that's okay. But what do you think is behind all this? I think there's two things. One of them is the simple answer, and that's greed and money. And we want to sell things to people because we can and they'll buy it. The other one's a much heavier answer. And a lot of people don't like this. A lot of people think it's crazy. But I do think there is a type of eugenics movement in place uh, here and around the world where I'll use that phrase again, low-hanging fruits. If you look around at the world, there are a lot of low-hanging fruits, a lot of poisonous food, a lot of harmful pharmaceuticals, a lot of things that 10, 20 years down the road, we go, oh, whoops, we know now that that was harmful. There are so many instances of this. Oh, wow, how could we have known that this was so harmful? when really, you know, a lot of people from the very beginning would say, hey, this is harmful. And oh, no, you're a conspiracy theorist. So yeah. there's a lot of propaganda that goes into that, where if, if somebody does try to warn you that something might be harmful, that they're a crazy conspiracy theorist. And, you know, I, I totally understand if someone doesn't believe this idea that there might be people or institutions or organizations out there that want less people on the planet or something like that. But there are some powerful influential people who have openly said we do want less people on the planet 
Ted Turner has said this. David Rockefeller has said this. Bill Gates has said something like this too. A lot of people have openly said this and some people just don't want to connect the dots. I'm, I do connect the dots. It does concern me. And I think it's better to live a life concerned about these sort of things and, and cautious about these sort of things instead of just dismissing them and, and again, trusting these people, even though they didn't earn our trust. Two, two examples that kind of come to my mind when you're talking about this. One, there was in Guatemala, there were actually studies on creating corn to sterilize people. Um, and yes. this was back in the 1970s. And then when you look and see all the corn in our products, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. Not that I know one way or another, but we had this study in the 70s. By the late 80s, early 90s, we started to see corn in a lot of our food. And then you see spikes in fertility clinics popping up, right? And then the other thing that, you know, you're talking about the conspiracy theorist, um, the guy, the doctor who told people you need to wash your hands was thrown in an asylum for being crazy. He, I mean, people don't, now we know you absolutely have to, you're spreading those germs from person to person to person, but literally that doctor was thrown in an asylum. I, I something similar. I think the, the guy who said sugar was inflammatory for your body and you really shouldn't eat it. I believe he also was like thrown out of medicine or lost his license for saying that. So, well, and then there were the cigarettes and the, I mean, yeah, there's lots, that, there's like lots the of doctors examples. that were showing yes. the cigarette yes. and so forth, you know. I'll never forget, I uh, this is a family member like, well, just do us a favor and don't get involved in those quack doctors. And I thought, those are the ones I'm looking for. They're the ones that are thinking outside the box. They're the ones that are going to pay attention to my needs. And those are the ones that are going to help me really learn help the way I need to learn help. So, you know, that's where I'm at. It actually limits thinking to go, oh, that's a quack doctor. People love to do this. They love to put other people in a box or a category specifically so they don't have to think about it. I just had a conversation with somebody about the Tucker Putin interview that just happened. Oh, and yeah. I'm they through it. They lost their mind. They didn't want to listen to it at all because they've already established they don't like Tucker Carlson. He's not a credible journalist. So I don't even want to listen to this. And not only that, I don't even think he should be allowed to talk. I don't even think he should be allowed to yeah. broadcast these messages. People are calling for his arrest. Right. Carlson should be arrested. Yes. And so they they put him in a box as a means to not think about him. They've already made up their mind, which is lazy thinking. It is intellectual laziness. I don't do that. I don't come from a place of let me see, let me respect their authority and that's how I'll make my judgment. That is, I, I see that as weakness. I think it should be, let's look at the ideas. Let me, if I'm actually open-minded and I have intellectual fortitude, let me listen to these ideas and, and see what's going on here so that I can think about it as an individual. But to me to say, oh no, that I've put them in this category so I can't listen to them. That is the epitome of weakness and or laziness. Yeah, I, that's a really good way to look at it. I cannot wait to go tell some of my friends how lazy they are. That's my new goal. She's but looking I look at me again. <laughs> She's looking at me. I say that respectfully, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're winding down some of our time. What? And, and we always like to you know narrow this down. I'm kind of a bullet point person. Um, what advice, practical advice can you give to people? There are some people that are way more advanced in this concept. Others like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm kind of in the middle, still a newbie with some of this. What would you, what's some, you know, key points that you would tell them? Well, this is something I, I could not have seen myself saying maybe five years ago. And that it, just because I'm a young man, uh, have compassion, really have compassion 
because a lot of us don't listen to each other, especially online. It makes it so easy to see the worst in somebody or, or to read somebody's opinion and interpret it in the worst way possible. And I'm very thankful for having found health coaching because it's allowed me to practice compassion. You need compassion to be a good health coach. And, you know, seeing other people's pains and experience, even if I don't agree with them philosophically or politically, having to practice that compassion as in a type of exercise, like you're exercising a muscle, a compassion muscle, it does become easier to contend with ideas that maybe you don't agree with. If, if you know, if we're total opposites politically and I have compassion towards you, well, it makes it easier for me to be open-minded and to listen to what you're saying and exchange ideas. And the reality is that, you know, if we do have opposing ideas, we're both probably wrong about some things and we're both probably right about some things. So true communication should be a genuine exchange and compassion is the key to that. And, and it's the opposite of putting somebody in a category or a box. That is discompassionate to go, hey, I've made up my mind about you. We need more compassion. I think that's a big part of it. Wow. That's that's not what I was going to be thinking of that he would say. But that's no, a yeah, point, but that's an excellent point. And I I agree with you 110% on everything you just said. Um, Because I do find it, you know, again, I'm going to use the word disheartening because when I'm online, I see how people are attacked and they don't know the full story. They just assume the worst. Um, yeah, I, I to give an example of that, something like that happened to me. My mom was walking my dog and she had him on a big rope and the rope, the rope got out of her. So the dog ran away. Well, people saw the rope and assumed the dog was just tied up somewhere outside. And they were talking about how bad and awful the owners were. They had no idea that the dog was out for a walk. Um, you know, with an older lady who just lost her grip on the rope, you know, and I think that a lot of times in life, we just are at the point where we make the worst possible assumptions about people without knowing the full story, not hearing the backstory. And we all have a life that we live that has heartache or has, you know, troubles right. that we don't necessarily, we, we see the best of something in a picture. We don't see what's actually going on behind and we forget that. Right. I would actually challenge people so the next time they encounter someone where they strongly disagree with them, maybe it makes them angry. Maybe they even want to block somebody because they read something that they disagree with so strongly. I would challenge them to extend an olive branch and say, hey, I know we disagree on this, but maybe we can meet over Zoom and talk. I've started doing this lately. And, and honestly, it's been one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had to meet with people who we strongly disagree with. And you know what happens? We find out we have a lot more in common than we would have thought otherwise. Oh, I love that. That's that's great advice. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, because I do like making fun of the opposite side. Yes. So we're both, and we both are very sarcastic people. So yeah, I love it. Main character traits. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to unbridle. But well, you know, the challenge of it, it, the fact that it's difficult, I think makes it worth doing. Uh, who cares about doing something easy? You don't get anything really valuable about from, from doing something easy. It's really the challenging things that you can overcome that really add value. And I think that's what makes it even more important. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, and that's great advice. And, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and sharing to encourage all of us to look at information differently, more critically, and also to realize we're all different. And, you know, you started out vegan diet, protein, it's all, I mean, some people just go bonkers that you do this or that. It, mm -hmm. It's your own body and how you feel and how you process it. It's all different. Yeah, and I definitely. Sharing that. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. So how, 
how can people find find you your your show all that kind of stuff my main website is redpillhealthandwellness.com, which I realize is a lot to type in. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> or you can find my show, Healthy and Awake Podcast, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble. Uh, and it's the and symbol. Not that it matters. I think it would come up anyway, but Healthy and Awake Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it. Hey, you. So what's the, you know, this is, it changes my concept of of the way we we you and I specifically view other people sometimes. Like now I'm wondering, I'm questioning like if I'm not a nice person. <laughs> a nice person. Oh, you're not. <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna dial it back to health. We're just not even gonna go to that one because we don't have that much time. Yeah. What he was saying, and I said I started I found a health coach who changed my life. But what he said, I was thinking of how she dealt with me. And she was on our show, Amber, a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Yeah. She was very much like, hey, how about this idea? Or I'd say, how about, you know, and she'd make little suggestions. And, um, you know, I would determine myself. And she may, would say, well, what are you going to do about that? You know, not yeah. tell me, as he said, you have to figure this out yourself. And then, you know, when I feel like, oh, I do feel better when I eat less. I do yeah. feel better when I eat a piece of fruit in the morning instead of a donut. Yeah. You know, but those little changes and having compassion and, and realizing it has to work for me, you know? And so that did change the things he was saying. I was very fortunate to find a health coach who helped me with that. And, and I have put up with you for several years now. Yes. So, so I've been very compassionate with you. Yes. And even things with you. I mean, there are times I'm like, I'm not doing that, you know? And then I think, well, maybe I'll try that. And there's still things I'm like, I'm not doing that. Right. But I'm, I'm going to pull you down that road. Well, anyway, you know, I, we try and we do what we can. And I think he said, you do the best you can. You look at the information. Yeah. Uh, but to bury your head in the sand or just say, I'm going to take the shot, um, you know, because I don't want to put the effort into losing weight. I don't think that's healthy either. I mean, no. well, I don't think it's healthy at all. No. So. And and even when you look at it, because you don't deal with the psychology of it that you're going to do with the health coach, you end up taking it back on at some point anyway, a lot of times even more, regardless of it's and a lot of it is it's in your head as much as your physical. I mean, it's I think it's primarily in your head. Yes. I mean, yes, we need a lot to ask him about that. But yeah, we should we should, maybe yeah. we need him back yeah, on for do. another we need to go the psycho psychological route because it's it's, you know, we can educate on the food and why you choose different foods. But if you're still eating a ton of those foods or or whatever, then you're you still have the same problem. I still talk to my health coach every week. And I've I mean, I've made a lot of changes. I've done a 180 degree change. But for me, it's also accountability because I have determined in some ways I'm like an alcoholic. You know, I'll continue to make bad decisions. I'm judging you right now. I know. I'm just saying she's looking at me and it's very troubling the way she's looking at me. So I'm going to turn because we sit next to each other here, but I've learned, but I think that's a good self-revelation. Like I need, I need something, you know? Yeah. Just, that, it's a check-in and it's something I do for myself and no, I'm admitting it. Yeah. I wouldn't normally admit that kind of thing. And I'll be honest. I don't, you know, he might disagree with me. I actually trust the health coaches more than I do the doctors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just, they seem to be more open discussing you know, we'll look into things a little bit differently and look at the body as a whole, not as an organ. And and I think that's huge. And I also think, and he said this, when you look at the money, the money for the pharmaceuticals and the pharmaceutical pool on a lot of our medicine, yeah. it, it's a little scary. I mean, when there's money, there's it's ripe for deception and duplicity. 
That's and, true. Um, that's just you that's know, what's gotten us to this point. I think so. I, I mean, honestly, because right. when you look at where, like, let's say someone is um, in the in the uh, FDA, they may end up on the board of, of the a, pharmaceutical of the company. Yeah. yeah, and we've seen that over and over again, and, and vice versa. And, yes, vice yeah. versa. So it's just one big disgusting mess of of I'll give you this, and in turn, you're going to get this million. Wow. I'm just on. glad we have people like Dr. Fauci helping us. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't even say that with a straight face, even with my sarcasm. And I shouldn't even say that because we now have a new time here at one o'clock. Yeah. At two o'clock, right following this show is the fantastic. It, there's a medical doctor, Doctor Peter McCullough. We, we love yeah. him. We just don't like the rest Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. So I or say most of the rest of yeah, them. <laughs> so I say stay tuned because if there's anybody who's been willing to question, hey, this doesn't seem right with our, as and Mike said, our lifeline on the, oh, line. everything. Yes. And a lot of these people have put their careers. And yes, everything absolutely. Online. Things are changing. I, I love where the change is going. People are waking up. We're seeing a lot of technology and al alternative health. We're seeing a lot of advances and people can get their health back. They deserve to get their health back. You know, find a coach, get your health back. You can do it without and, the meds. And be responsible for yes. asking questions and daring to ask questions and to think. Oh my yes. word, think. And now I'm going to have to cut you off. Okay, I'm time. sorry. <laughs> so wherever you are, whatever you can do, stand up, speak out, and step forward.